0: Hello and welcome to episode fifty one of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering arena content.
1: Yeah, basically we're just regular dudes drinking irregular beers. <laughs> beers and talking about Magic the Gathering, specifically MTG Arena.
0: That's right, and this week is our happy hour episode for Midnight Hunt. Woo! So I know Midnight Hunt came out
1: fairly recently, but um I we're about to get a new yeah, set. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i remember every card that we picked uh you know for the uh first sips episode mm-hmm. and i don't think that's the first time it's that's a, that's ever happened yeah. normally i forget like two or three of the cards we picked we have to go back and be like know. wait oh
0: did we really yeah. say that
1: <laughs> but this one was like two weeks ago so i remember <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that close but still
0: it does kind of feel like that Um, but anyway, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, rate them on a scale of bronze to Mythic, and choose the best for last, except for this week, I brought some beers from my most recent trip to Calgary. Hooray! Because, you know, what's better than going to new
1: places and bringing back beer, right? I'm excited. I've never even heard of either brewery, so... There you go. usually doesn't happen.
0: Pretty fun. Uh, so...
1: Yeah, Jeff. What's on tap? What do you got over there? What did I give you? Okay, so the the beer you threw my way is Boggy Hall. It's a brown ale from Rival Trade Brewing Co. and it's six percent.
0: Yeah. So um, that beer that you have, I actually was able to go to the brewery because um, it is in Rocky Mountain House, which is where my fiance's dad lives. So ah. it's a you know Rocky Mountain House is a really small town outside of Red Deer. And we got to go, and it was a cute little spot in an industrial area, and I picked that one because I thought you would like it. So, there we go. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. Um, Cross my fingers, (laughs) because I had to fly it here, it was a whole
1: thing. (laughs) Yeah. I was actually coming back, Um,
0: Catherine was mad because I was coming back, and I had so much beer. That we had to move all the beer from the different bags and check an extra bag because of it. <laughs>
1: right.
0: <laughs> it's the so, only way to do
1: it. Man. The only way to do it. That's the only way to travel. It's like when, whenever I go somewhere, it's like, why did you bring three bags? You only brought like two shirts and a pair of underwear. I'm like, yeah, I know, but they'll be full on the way back.
0: So. Yeah, I, I've got uh, usually beers and gin is what I'm bringing back. So I have from Cabin Brewing Company their Super Saturation, which is a New England Pale Ale, six percent. And what caught my eye is it has a really nice looking can. All their cans have this cool retro feel. Um, so this one's like blue with like yellow, orange, and red, and it reminds me of like a like a '70s life jacket kind of.
1: Yeah, it's very like super bad aesthetic.
0: Yeah, know, kind of totally.
1: It is a really nice can.
0: Yes. So that caught my eye and uh, I like the beer as well. So um, spoiler alert, I've tried both of these, but of course I had to try them because I can't just spend that much. I've tried neither, so this will be interesting. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I don't (laughs) want to spend all that time bringing all this beer back and then we don't like either of them. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, You have to taste test for sure. Yeah. Just a little bit. Interesting getting the East Coast IPA from out on the West Coast though. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway,
0: magic news. Hey, Crimson Crimson Vows coming out soon.
1: Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah,
0: we got spoilers uh, all last week. Yeah, basically, it should be over fairly (laughs) soon because the set comes out in a week from when this episode airs. So, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) there seemed to be some uh, normal discourse with the magic community being um, picky about
1: things what you think the magic community is is picky about things Uh, you know just a little bit just just, they're they're prone to overreaction would you go so far as to say that uh
0: (laughs) yeah yeah uh they are (laughs) more so they're looking for something to be upset with i think that can that can happen a lot um totally so anyway i think we'll talk a lot more about that next week um though this last weekend we had one of the first major like paper events yeah that have happened since the pandemic started. So, um, yeah, Jeff, did you get to see any of that
1: or not see it? Cause they didn't, they weren't <laughs> Good actually. Good question. I did not, <laughs> uh, because they did not do coverage. So normally with these past, uh, SCG invitationals in particular, but I think most star city games weekends, uh, they would film it and have live commentary and stuff. And, um, I'm not sure exactly why they didn't this time, whether there was just a lack of interest or it was COVID related and how they had to set things up and all that. Uh, But there was no live stream for the event, which I just assumed there would be and logged into Twitch. I was like, wait a minute, isn't the tournament going on currently? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I had to kind of use Twitter to get updates about how people were doing and stuff. And it would have been nice to see some good old paper magic being played again. Um, But uh, I did kind of, keep an eye on just their Twitter page. Like I said, a few different players, how they were doing. Yeah. What decks.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, same thing with me. Um, I was just kind of keeping track on my phone of like what was going on and the the scores, which was fun. Um, obviously Mm -hmm. not the same than being able to actually see matches or, or that kind of stuff. But, uh, it was nice, like just the energy was fun. Even, I mean, obviously we're not there, but the energy around yeah. the community on Twitter and, and different places was pretty exciting. So it, it was,
1: yeah, from, I didn't see anything saying it was like a disaster or anything. That that's what your worst nightmare is: is that the first big Magic tournament back, you know, is an epic failure. Exactly.
0: Um, so and I think this was kind of easing us in a little bit. I think the biggest one that's coming up is Vegas. There's going to be a big. Um, event so uh which lots of people are flocking to so we'll hope you know which is like
1: they're saying it's not a grand prix but it sounds a lot like a grand prix
0: (laughs) yeah so there's going to be a ton of like content creators and like commander players and i I, there's a bunch of different types of events that are happening with a, a ton of different formats so um i'm just crossing my fingers that everyone is safe and it everything goes well so we can Right. get back into this kind of stuff but
1: so. yeah like that that would be i guess how this was a disaster if in a month or someone everyone's getting contacted about covid spread and yeah that would out that, the, that would be no good <laughs> um but uh
0: anyway it was just kind of fun to be around and super fun for me because i got to see firsthand what you were talking about at the world championship about Corey baumeister the limited expert <laughs> yeah yeah he <laughs> he's a limited expert Um, not that he's, you know, not really a limited expert, but you specifically said, Hey, you know, he isn't super known for being a limited, this great limited player. He's really well known for, um, playing like his, out of his mind in like modern. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's what he did.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he basically just dominated the modern portion of the tournament, did it okay in standard. And then in the standard top eight took it down. So. Uh, I guess saying he did okay in standard's not fair, but in the Swiss portion, yeah, in this yeah, he had a few losses in standard, but uh, managed to get his his wins when they counted.
0: Yeah, which was uh, just awesome for me to. I was rooting for him the whole
1: time, so it was fun to to finally. Yeah, see me him too. Pull it down. Yeah, he's just one of the personalities I've engaged with in Twitch and stuff. So
0: yeah. So um, anyway uh that's enough of that i think let's get into our happy hour and say some nice things about midnight hunt before we are just completely well you know it's it'll be around the flavors of it will be around but um, um
1: i probably won't be drafting it totally again <laughs> you know so yeah um, i mean like maybe when that that mass remastered like draft both sets at once things the comes double out. feature yeah uh, but i don't know if i would do If I'll be doing any more just straight triple Midnight Hunt draft.
0: Yeah. Um, But anyway, Jeff, this is our happy hour episode. For our new listeners, what is that? Uh, Why do we call it a happy hour and why do we do this?
1: Yeah, so our happy hour episode is the episode where we kind of say farewell to a set or a format that uh, we've been playing lately. So whenever a new set comes out, that means the old one is kind of not in the the limelight anymore, so we like to take a step back and reflect, you know, on all the good things, the good times that were had with that mm-hmm. most recent set.
0: Yeah, and kind of just say a little goodbye, even though this one isn't so mm-hmm. much of a goodbye. Is it just a continuation? But uh,
1: but yeah, it's uh, it's still been a bit journey. A short one, but still a good one. Um, and so, like, you know, we were talking about draft, and maybe that's the, the perfect place to start. Sounds good to me. What did you think of the draft format?
0: I thought it was very interesting. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: uh, going into it, I was hoping that werewolves would be quite strong. I thought that the mechanic got fixed, which was nice, seeing the nightbound and daybound thing be changed uh, from what it was previously where it wasn't actually named into this. Uh, And I liked the flavor of that, and the way it looks on Arena is really nice and all those things. Um, But I was surprised that, uh, you know... Just about every other deck was better than the Werewolf deck, and you really didn't want to be playing the Werewolf deck. I thought that was, you know, yeah, it was the worst deck in the format. How, however, um, I was pleasantly surprised by the Decayed Zombies being infinitely better than I thought they were going to be. I thought they were actually horrible at the beginning.
1: Yeah, and and this is one that they fooled me on because I thought it, I looked at it. I was like these must be way worse than I think they are because of the the rates on the cards, right? It's like Mm -hmm. a a Wind Drake with a free 2-2. So I was like, okay, obviously the designers have played with this mechanic and this card isn't just awesome. And then it was kind of just awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I was like, I wish I I hadn't let them fool me into thinking because originally I was like trying to, okay, decayed zombie that's probably pretty close to a 1-1 maybe, you know, Getting a real 1-1 versus getting a fake Mm 2-2. But I think they ended up slightly better than a 1-1, actually. Uh, Just because of their, like, ability to threaten an attack. Mm -hmm. If you have six of them, I just can't attack you, so... Exactly. uh, uh, Yeah, they ended up being pretty strong, uh, especially in Limited.
0: Yeah. Um, So, really surprised by that, but it was...
1: It was a a really interesting format. That's the right word that you used earlier. Mm -hmm. Because it was also, like kind of aggro but then kind of grindy and you had to like be able to do both (laughs) if you wanted a good deck you had to be able to kill someone quickly if necessary uh or but also be able to contest the long games yeah and so that's part of why blue black was one of the stronger decks is because sometimes blue black just killed you like sometimes they went you know turn one ecstatic awakener turn two scob wrangler turn three falcon abomination which isn't even like that outrageous of a draw for them Mm -hmm. and suddenly you're like how much fucking power do you have and like control over the board right now this is insane I,
0: i feel like i would have weird situations where i would see something like that at the beginning maybe not as strong of a start but some of like the decayed zombies i'm like okay if i can get rid of their blockers and just attack through them they i can get through before they can deal enough damage um, and sometimes that strategy worked, and then sometimes it's like, oh no, they just they're gonna kill me with flyers. And like, I didn't realize that they were actually more of a flyer deck, and they just happened to also have these random zombies. I'm
1: like, oh crap! Yeah, I uh, I screwed that, that one. That was my favorite way to play blue black. Mm-hmm. Was <clears throat> it's like my real plan is to kill you with this Nebelgast Herald, but uh, yeah, I mean you have to worry about all these other things because those can kill you. Yeah, so uh,
0: that was. Uh... <laughs> It was just fun to see how they, how differently things could morph. Um, where I really felt like I thought a deck was going to be something by the first couple cards they played, and it was drastically different. Um, and we had talked about this in other episodes, but like just how uh, much removal that was good was around. And, yeah, insane. And just like you always have answers, like there, you're always going to see some premium removal in. when you're drafting it's
1: been a while since we've had a format that's this jam-packed with removal that you're happy to play Mm -hmm. you know normally there's like one or two spells maybe three that you're happy to play and then the rest is uh, i guess i guess i'll play it
0: so um that definitely changed a lot of things for me where i would be passing a lot of uh, towards the end of the format i'm like oh i can pass all these really good removal spells because you know i'm gonna get something at some point so um, mm-hmm. that felt very different to me.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you would still take a, whatever, defend a straight or eaten alive first, but you wouldn't actually be that happy with it. You <laughs> feel like I was kind of hoping for a better first pick than like a premium removal spell. Yeah, Where normally I feel weird. like
0: solid. I'm like, oh, sick. This is the greatest.
1: Yeah. So overall I did really like it. Um, but by the end there, I was kind of tapering off, you know, I did that draft challenge that they had, uh, not this past weekend, but the one before, and that was kind of me saying farewell to the format, like, this, this is the last draft I'll do mm-hmm. of this for the foreseeable future. So I'm going to look back on it really fondly, but part of that will be that it had a shortened lifespan, so I had less time to get tired of it. Yeah, I think that's, that's true as well.
0: But yeah, anyway, moving on to, to construct it actually, because this was our big rotation. We've been waiting for this mm-hmm. for a long time. And so...
1: Yeah, this had a lot of, uh, you know, people waiting for it. Yeah, essentially. It, it
0: had a lot of, um, what's the word? Just like excited anticipation for what the set was mm-hmm. going to be and how it's going to change standard. There was a lot riding on the set to provide a good standard. Exactly. That, I and I, you know, I, I think it delivered. Like we did get... I think so too. A, yeah. a really good amount of like great standard playable cards. And mm-hmm. uh, it the standard, you know, format is much different than it was before
1: yeah i mean i know a lot of people are complaining about this you know epiphany deck and, and how it warps the meta game around it but the reality is that the epiphany deck isn't just not that unbeatable it's just kind of a good control deck and uh, i'm fine if there's a good control deck that exists in the format i don't see that as the end of the world like if there's a control deck. People always hate the way they lose to control decks. Like, it's either Teferi, like, tucking himself infinitely so that they never deck, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's like, it's always some engine like that. This one at least kills you quickly. It's like, once they have turned the corner, you're dead. They take four turns in a row and you're dead. Mm-hmm. So, I don't actually mind it that much as a win condition for the control deck. Um, people will hate playing against control for the end of time. So. Exactly. But it can't always be bad. We need some metagames where it's control. Uh, and then there's, yeah, Mono White kind of got a resurgence. Mono Green, everyone kind of knew, was going to be one of the top decks. Um, and, and I've found that there is kind of room to play around. Like I mentioned last time, I, I was playing with rogues and stuff. And it, it's I wasn't losing, you know, an outrageous amount of the time because I picked an off-meta deck or anything like that. Yeah.
0: So. And, uh, I mean, I've been playing the list that you sent. I don't know if you've changed it since you sent it to me, but... Um, I've been playing that list that you sent, and it's...
1: Maybe like a card.
0: Yeah. It's super fun, and it feels a lot like the other rogues, but you get to do more cheeky stuff, I think.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's less like worrying about ever milling them out because that's just not what it's about Mm -hmm. anymore, so that's just off your... You're not playing crabs anymore or whatever, Um, and more about actually tempoing them out, like doing that tempo control blendy game plan. Mm -hmm. It is a lot of fun, though. I love... We'll get to some of the cards in that deck that I love later. But. Yeah,
0: because <laughs> um, you know every once in a while you get a you get a sand onto the battlefield and steal their uh, span dragon or their uh, their red. Yeah, I know it's something. great.
1: Uh, I mean, normally I don't because they just concede. They like check their graveyard and concede, when mm-hmm. they see they have a span dragon in there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, I um, I'm happy that Eldraine is gone. We're in the new world. Of, of midnight hunt
1: and we have a pretty good rock paper scissors of like mono green will beat uh epiphany if they don't have to worry about mono white mono white will beat uh mono green if they don't have to worry about epiphany and then epiphany will beat mono white if they don't have to worry about mono green so it's just like on any given weekend what build are you playing and who are you predicting that you'll play the most against
0: yeah um yeah, and then every once in a while there's the, uh, the Grixis deck that comes in and uh, just goes blank your uh, <laughs> the control deck and
1: they play <laughs> yeah, <yeah>. everything. <laughs> <laughs> or there's even a kind of a blue-black control deck kind of mm-hmm. in the mix in there too that sometimes people play.
0: So um, I know that sounds like a very small portion of decks that seem quote-unquote viable, but i do think it is interesting because each event is different depending on what people are playing and what you're expecting people to think is the best or all that kind of stuff um so to me it still feels very interesting and uh, all the sideboard choices yeah, are, what things exactly. are really interesting to me so just try your best not to immediately throw something away uh <laughs> when it's, uh, it's
1: infinitely more complex. Instead of getting frustrated that your opponent is taking three turns in a row or whatever, just think of it as like, okay, I lost to the control deck. They stabilized the board, and then they deployed their win condition. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah, that's just what's happening. I think that's a
0: really good way of explaining that. So, um, And much better than like a, you know, maybe, would you rather play against that or like the mono prison deck that we used to have in Historic, where you're just like, yeah. you, just, you just have to concede because there's nothing else you're going to
1: do. So yeah exactly or they're gonna there were i've played in in formats where there were decks whose literal win condition was elixir of immortality which all it does is shuffles your graveyard back into your deck
0: yeah like (laughs)
1: that's their win condition they're just going to control the game until you can't do anything and then they will loop their graveyard so that they never deck (laughs) that's that's it For for some reason, every round in every tournament went to time, but (laughs) (laughs) I wonder why. Because there's always one person who's unwilling to concede to the blue white player. Yeah. So do you think what the real question
0: is? Will this actually be considered the werewolf set ever? After actually playing it and knowing what it was supposed to be, but I mean, like we've read the lore. If you haven't watched or listened to that mm-hmm. episode, go back, listen to our episode about it because uh, we're going to spoil it probably very soon. Um, and
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, and like the cards, the limited environment, um, in standard, I you mean, know, there are some gruel versions that play some of the werewolf cards. And, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but, um, so is this really the werewolf set? Is it,
1: is that what it so was? I, I think they, they like, because werewolves were so bad in draft, this will be, so it'll be known as the werewolf set just for a while because people remember what it was, mm-hmm. right? But then it'll be one of those things where people are asking, oh, the werewolf set, right? And someone who actually played a lot of the format will, be, will like just laugh about how it was actually the non, like the anti-werewolf set because they were so bad. So it's somehow going to actually be, go down in history as like the anti-werewolf set. <laughs> Because it's just like, yeah, werewolves are totally unplayable though. Yeah. And it's become such a joke at this point because it's not just like they're not that good. They're the worst tribe in the format. So it's like, that's just really strange.
0: So yeah, I almost feel like, because this set to me, like I was saying before, felt like a zombie deck. Or sorry, felt like a zombie set or like a Mm -hmm. a spirit one because even vampires weren't very good at least in draft or like, you know, just around, but like,
1: man, it would have been embarrassing if vampires were the best tribe in this set. (laughs) It's like, but you have a vampire set coming up. Is that one also, are they also going to be the best in that? Um,
0: so it was very interesting, especially because, you know, the, the zombies and the ghosts are the ones that just get wrecked in the story. They, they,
1: they're the ones right. that, it's yeah. like one
0: chapter where all of
1: them die, <laughs> yeah. basically. They're just like a pointless hurdle that the heroes have to overcome.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> it, it's just funny to think that like the limited format was just so much different than um, what what they kind of marketed it as. I guess that's what it really is.
1: Totally. And then the cards, just because of the way metagames balance and constructed, like you were saying, sure, there are some werewolves um one notably i guess um and even that card's not heavily played uh it's just the way things shook out it tended to be like the blue red spells type stuff that mm. was the best stuff yeah uh, yeah just because but i was thinking maybe in like commander like because this has a lot of legendary werewolves and stuff like that it's, I, it's plausible to call it the werewolf set but yeah it just has so much stuff for commander too right like there's so many legendary creatures these days yeah there's
0: there's a ton of there's like a ton of legendary creatures and also um just in if the mechanic for the werewolves was different than the play two spells play no spells thing then mm-hmm. maybe but because there's just no way unless you're a, you're the person next to you is like mana screwed there's no way that you're ever gonna keep your werewolf like flipped unless you have to. You have to play like the one card that flips them, basically, or Tovalar
1: has to be around all the time, or Tovalar has to be your commander. Right?
0: <clears throat> so that's helpful because he makes sure that they, you know, will be make it night. But like, it just seems it seems hard, and it, it just it, if they flipped for yeah. different reasons, maybe, but uh, because it's still the same way. I don't. I mean, it seems fun. Like it seems fun to do, I guess, but um I even played did you play that uh there was Edge of Night was like the um the way you got like
1: the black card styles in Arena, which is pretty fun. Oh um, no, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't play in it actually, but I did want those card styles. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I played in it a little bit with just to, to see what it was like. And it's like a singleton format where um you it's a 60 card singleton and the day night Thing is part of the game the whole time and also mm-hmm. if it ever becomes night when it was day um you lose a life and draw a card but that's for each player so huh. uh if you turn it into night then your opponent's getting a card and all those kinds of things but because the beginning of the game is usually like land go it's going to be nighttime because you don't have to play anything so it does make it feel like your werewolves are really strong because you get to play all of them on their night side at the very beginning of the game um, until later they, you know, become less strong. But uh, if the game in just innately had that going, I would almost maybe, maybe it could work
1: out. But Yeah, they might even be just too strong if that, yeah. if like, you know. Day-night tracking started from turn one.
0: One. Because it would okay. just almost always be night until, like, turn five. Yeah. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: anyway. Um, I just... It's interesting. Like, are we going to have a time where werewolves are really good? I don't know.
1: Yeah. I wanted <laughs> werewolves to be good. I also uh, did. But we, ha- we do have to call it out here. They just weren't, mm-hmm. you know, really the the best cards in the set yeah. in any format.
0: So, yeah. Sorry. That's may- maybe a little buzzkill on the happy hour, but... Uh... <laughs> You know, <laughs> sorry, we we do want to yeah, say how we got to
1: talk about the werewolf set. Did it achieve its goal of being a werewolf set? Yeah. And we had some concerns even coming in just because there weren't that many werewolves. So you're like, if this is going to be a werewolf set. So remember, it was something as part of the the discussion when the set was leaked, that it's like there were a couple more werewolves than there were zombies or something or like oh no characters. yeah it was
0: because there were more cards that said zombie on them than any other tribe right but that's because they're they're on
1: sorceries and instance and all that kind of stuff um and so yeah maybe they actually just didn't necessarily nail it if in, just in terms of shooting for a werewolf set mm-hmm. because you know they weren't prevalent enough that it's obvious that it's a werewolf set And then they weren't the bangers of the set either, as it turns out. They weren't the best cards in the set. Yeah. So, unless the, unless, the only way you know it's a werewolf set is that they told you, basically, and and called it Midnight Hunt and Mm -hmm. all that. Exactly. But
0: also, in the story, they did, they just, they left.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I well that's what they do when I draft them. They, that's I true. Deploy them all to the battlefield, and they're like, "No, nah, no, nah, bro, we're we're just gonna no no," or they're like, "Whoops, we we don't have this."
0: Yeah, <laughs> Olivia showed up and she midnight ambushed me, um, which is yeah. usually what happens whenever you're like, "Oh, this next turn is gonna be sweet." I'm gonna pass the turn, and then they're all gonna the, transform. Then you get screwed yeah. so hard. <laughs> anyway uh other mechanics that were pretty sweet from the set disturb i loved the disturb yeah disturb was awesome i want to see it go more into standard and i'm really happy it's going to be back spoiler alert not really but whatever for crimson vow um mm-hmm. and there's some interesting things that they're going to do or they're doing with it so um hooray uh, yeah i'm excited at least the spirits are good in the werewolf set that's great when yeah. am I getting a spirit werewolf? That's what I want to know. I don't know if you're getting one. <laughs> maybe Tovalar... But that would be cool, though. Maybe Tovalar will cool. die, and then he will become the spirit werewolf, and him and Ugin will be, like, the spirit werewolf and the spirit dragon, and they'll, like, hang out together. And Tovalar will, like, That'd flip... That'd be pretty cool. Flip, he either flips if it's day or night, and also you can play a third side from the graveyard.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, the disturb would be still a werewolf and probably have both sides, right? Like the spirit werewolf side. When he flips. So there's four options. Oh, perfect. Okay. so Spirit, human, spirit transformed into werewolf, human, and werewolf.
0: So when you get him in the packs, so each one is actually a single side and you have to get all of them in different booster packs and tape them together. And that is yeah the four sided card
1: that would make sense
0: mm. totally it's like Exodia yeah. from Yu Gi Oh or you just play it on
1: Arena and it just gives you the options yeah.
0: or yeah exactly <laughs> you could do that too, um, hooray four sided cards in Arena <laughs> let's go yeah
1: <laughs> that won't piss anyone off
0: not even a little bit <laughs> um, no no one will even bat an
1: eye they won't care <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) I expect
0: zero pushback. Zero. Absolutely no pushback from that.
1: Uh, Yeah, Distur was a great limited mechanic, Mm -hmm. and one card even snuck its way into Constructed. Um, We kind of poo-pooed Coven a bit coming in. Where did Coven end up for us?
0: It's a pretty... uh, I think it was solid. As a mechanics Go, it's probably like a Platinum. Um, Mm -hmm. It feels very like... Wow, that... uh, it was a really fun mini game to try to get people off Coven. I won a game because I think uh, I was playing like Blue Red Spells in uh, Limited. And I was like, a, I had uh, Vadrix or something. That uh, mm-hmm. the, the legendary um, rare whatever guy. But he makes all your spells cheaper depending on how big his, his uh, power is and then he gets counters from doing different things. So they had put a um, candle uh, candle trap on him, and I spent the rest of the game trying to make sure that they didn't have coven so that they could exile him because I needed him to make all my spells cost less. And that's the only thing he could do at that point. Um, And so I was like stealing their one ones and sacking them to different things or like blowing up whatever. So they only had zero power creatures and four power creatures. And there was a weird in-between that they were missing. Um, and that was, uh, that was really fun for me. And I ended up being able to squeak out a game because of that. Uh, because I, I realized early enough that keeping them off Coven was important. Um, I know this isn't a story that, you know, says good things about Coven, but I enjoyed being on the other side of it. (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) but um overall i thought that it was a really it was much stronger of a mechanic than we originally had thought and being able to keep people off coven isn't an easy thing to do and right uh i think they did a good job of like fitting those mechanics in there and so i want to see how these will play with some other things in crimson vow but as far as like midnight hunt went like those coven decks were no joke they could get you
1: Yeah, I think it ended up being my most drafted archetype was green-white. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, just because, you know, it's one of those things where you tend to value cards higher than other people, and so you always near the end of a format, you always end up in the same decks, basically, Mm -hmm. because everyone's fighting over different stuff than you, and you're just like, okay, I guess I like this green card, I guess I'll take it. I like this white card, I guess I'll take it. Uh, And nobody else seems to like those cards. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I liked Coven because you didn't really have to draft around it. They, they made it so that if you just built a green-white deck, you were likely going to be able to turn on Coven. But you did have to play the game around it, mm-hmm. right? So you didn't have to, like, draft, oh, I need to make sure I have a healthy spattering of threes and twos and mm-hmm. fours and zeros and ones, because that just would happen. But when you were playing the game, you would have to be like, oh, should I play this? If I lead on this two-drop, then... My 3-drop also has 3 power. I'll get Coven a turn later or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it ended up being a nifty little aggro mechanic, I think. Uh, and like you're saying, it is super fun to, like, take your opponent off Coven at a key time or something. Yeah. Uh, usually my I was doing that against dual craft trainers. I'd be like, are oh, you are going to combat? Give me a sec, because uh, I do not want your dual craft trigger to resolve. The only thing I'll say is there were some feel-bads uh, especially near the start of the format where, like, I just put a counter on my contortionist troop without thinking. And then that shut off my contortionist troop because I took away my own coven. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, that's the type of stuff that could be better. But yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't really want to have to worry about that every time I have a green and white deck for the rest of the format. But I did. I did have to always be like, wait, am I pumping the right thing?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, also, contortionist troop is fun because when you have two... You have to make sure the second one also still has Coven, which is really, really fun.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't sound as weird as it is because you're like, wait a minute, I have to stack. Sometimes it's like you can't do it, Mm -hmm.
0: basically. (laughs) Um, You can only get one of them or something because you're like, okay, so... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This three needs to become a four so that this two later will become a three, and I still have a one, but then I'm going to have... And it's just really confusing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it just turns out we're, we were wrong about some things. But, uh, you know, would it be a happy hour episode if we were right about everything? I don't think so. No, no, it wouldn't. Absolutely, no. <laughs> so, before we go to our beer break, do we just want to go down a list of all the uh, playable cards
1: <laughs> that we have? in Yeah, I guess we just mentioned flashback worked fine. Uh, And then we did talk about Decade already, that Mm -hmm. it was a lot better than we thought. Um, My only last thought about Decade was that, you know, we were talking about it's a really strong limited mechanic. It sees no play in Constructed, right? Absolutely not. Um, But I think with Exploit, another spoiler here, (laughs) with Exploit coming around mm -hmm. the corner, there are some Decade cards that I think could sneak their way into Standard, like Jadar, who makes a free decayed token every turn, he looks a lot better when that decayed token is not useless. Because, mm-hmm. we talked about them being menacing in draft, where I they almost can block because if I have four of these tokens, you really can't attack me, or you're taking eight back. Mm-hmm. Um, but in constructed, it's just too slow, so it's the two twos just don't matter enough. Yeah. Uh, so with exploit, maybe you'll be able to take advantage of the the free tokens mm-hmm. that Decade kind of creates for you.
0: Yeah, or maybe and there's some... I expect
1: at least a couple of them. Yeah.
0: Uh, cross your fingers there's a zombie deck, because uh, there seem to be some good zombie cards in Crimson Bow as well. And then Champion of the, or, right. uh, Champion of the Perished will uh, do some work, but we'll have to see. Um, but as far as standard cards or playable cards uh, that we just wanted to remind you of that came from the set, um, we just have a quick little list for you. And a couple yeah, of Yeah, there's them, kind of
1: more than you think. There's right? a lot like more than you think. We were think. making this list. It like, wait a minute, there's also this card. Yeah, and also one. this card.
0: Um, uh, we're going to leave out a couple that we're going to talk about later in the episode. But first off, right. uh, we don't really need to talk about them in
1: length, I guess. But just reminding you yeah, yeah. that uh, Galvanic Iteration came from this set. Yeah, in case you forgot uh, that that one's a good standard card. Um, Smoldering Egg.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Reckless Stormseeker.
1: And Moonveil Regent, kind of the uh, Jean-Emmanuel de special 1-2 combo there.
0: Yep. And uh, Malevolent Hermit, uh, perfect against uh, other control decks
1: whenever you're trying to, well, just counter everything. Yeah. SunGold Sentinel, surprisingly annoying. I've lost a lot of games to this. I forget the the end of the game. They can just give it
0: <laughs> unblockable. Basically, yeah. Um, the <laughs> Celestis, that was a card I laughed cool at. about. And then it became, yeah. it went to Worlds and,
1: uh, you know, did stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like a quarter of the people at Worlds registered. I was like, what? This card's trash, though, right? Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, Adeline or Adeline Resplendent Cathar um, is now pretty much a mainstay in Mono White. I think it's, like, considered just the best three drop in White now. And it's, like, they have a lot of good three drops. So
0: Yeah. Mono White is, like, just stacked with three drops. And this one is phenomenal so um we we have memory deluge which is an amazing draw spell that uh we're gonna see for a
1: very long time i feel like it's just gonna yeah. be this it's gonna be around i love this card it, like i just replaced into the story in my rogues deck uh with memory deluge and i'm like is this is this just better it might be just better <laughs> i was
0: thinking about that the other day because it's like four mana only draw two but you get to look at four and then later you get to play it again and you get to see more cards. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the amount of times you play into the story and you only get four lands, like, that sucks. I guess in that same situation,
1: Memory Deluge would only get you two lands, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. So it's the same, same thing. Same thing. Um, but into the story, just sometimes you just can't cast it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Memory Deluge always costs four the first time. Exactly. Um, another huge one Fading Hope I don't know if anyone had this on their like most played standard cards from the set because it's pretty much just unsummoned but the way the metagame shook out it's like every, all the blue decks are running like four Fading Hopes yeah now.
0: you just need something Um, hey Jeff did you know that this card was it like from this set it's like from it Duress, oh. Duress. it came from this set Duress. yeah you've heard of that card but like it's from this yeah. it's from Innistrad did
1: you know that yeah, I did, <laughs> <laughs> because I cheated in a standard twenty twenty two event <laughs> by by uh, putting duress in my sideboard. Mm-hmm.
0: But see, they knew they knew that it was going to be in the set, so yeah, that we And okay. we also called that out as well, because duress always has to be yeah. in the format. So
1: uh, next one was Burn down the house. Uh, it's sort of s- rotating out a bit because mm-hmm. for a while everyone knew that was the sweeper they relied on. And so they're relying less on sweepers because the other decks have decided let's not just lose to a burn down the house. Um, Yeah. But you still see it here and there.
0: Yeah, and I think Corey Burkhart was playing Is It Epiphany and he switched to Battle of Frost and Fire
1: instead. So... um, Nice. Uh, Corey Baumeister? What did I say? Burkhart. (laughs) Oops. I, I heard Corey Burkhart. I
0: probably did. It's Corey Baumeister. Corey Baumeister... Was playing It Epiphany, and he was playing Battle of Frost and Fire instead of Burn Down the House. Uh, Siphon of Insight. Uh, I haven't seen this card a bunch, but um, I, I'm assuming that the Demir control decks are playing it.
1: Yeah, they're, they're maxing out on it. And when I'm playing against it in Rogues, every time they cast it, I'm just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, it's such, it's just like a two for one every time.
0: Yeah. And then uh, we have two more um faithful absence which is a card that uh well we're still trying to figure out what the story is exactly behind it but i think we have some clues (laughs) (laughs) coming up yeah um (laughs) because it did not appear in any of the literature we had read
1: our last shout out is to the dual lands um these are some of the better dual lands you know uh that we've gotten in a while and they're great they're great
0: and with that, uh, Jeff, let's go get some great beers and uh, go on a beer break. Ooh. I'm, in, I'm pretty ex- excited to hear what uh, you think about these beers. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to give this super saturation a try. Yeah. I love brown ales. So good underrated beer style for sure absolutely
0: underrated mm. delicious um all right jeff let's get right back into it with uh, mm-hmm. our worth of slots so we are going to yes. look back on our first sips episode and every time we do a first sips episode we pick cards that we consider to be worth a slot um in your deck yeah, most of the time, we're thinking standard, but uh, sometimes we make cases for other formats or other um, things you can play on Arena. So it just it's a fun way to look back and be like, "Wow, how wrong were we?" Though in yeah. this case, I think we were pretty right. I think
1: most of our we cards did were. Okay. We, we did okay. We did okay. We did pretty good this time. We even doubled down and tried to choose overrated and underrated cards, which is dangerous because that is where you really look down.
0: Yeah. And, or if you
1: get it wrong. And
0: I think we continued to uh, do well because, um, well, almost all our cards... There was one that I picked that was uh, horrible, and uh, I think I just had too much to drink <laughs> that night because I don't even remember why I picked this card. It was just a bad, bad choice, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So let's get right into these, and we can kind of rate them, not rate them, I don't know, uh, whatever. Whatever. Uh Jeff, what is our normal like uh what's it called? Uh what do we call our, our worth of
1: slots? Yeah.
0: <laughs> we have we have a very specific uh, system on how how they're supposed to go. Uh and it's uh, it
1: uh, is magic related kind of, not really, a little bit, but well, it's not really. <laughs> so for our worth of slots, we're picking instead of just picking the two most hyped cards in the set that everyone is saying is good or whatever we thought it would be fun if we split it up so we have a layup a three-pointer and a half court shot and the layup is the kind of that it's you know what's the most hyped card in the set or what's going to be almost certainly is actually going to see some play a three-pointer we're trying to pick a little outside the box pick something that maybe not everyone else is looking at and shine some light, and hey, this card's pretty good. Half court is like, if everything lines up properly the in situ- the stars align, maybe this card sees a little bit of play. Oh, um, so, those are always. And fun. then, as I mentioned, we pick overrated and underrated. So, that's new, but it's just whatever we think the most overrated card in the set is. Like, some people are talking about it a lot, and we just don't understand why. And underrated, the opposite. <laughs> why? Of course. We don't understand why people aren't talking about this card.
0: So, with our basketball analogies, because we play basketball. Just kidding. We don't play basketball. <laughs> I have played basketball. I know what basketball <laughs> is. Anyway. Um, so, my layup was Renin and Seven, the Planeswalker, uh, which actually was uh, immediately played all over the place. And then kind of slowly right. started losing-ish favor. It was still played in the World Championship, but wasn't like a shining star. Um, yeah. And there were some decks that weren't playing all four. Mo- Actually, none of them were playing all four. And a couple of them were, like, putting in other five drops instead. So, um, in the end, the, like, you know, the big thing you want to do is have a Seekers Chariot, play with the Ren Seven, make the token, crew the Chariot with the token, make another token. Um, that
1: thing's, you know, really brutal, but then people were immediately onto it i guess everyone kind of felt that these mid-rangey green decks were the way to go like i think we all thought red green out the gates would be the strongest deck and so this kind of warped the format to the point where nobody was playing goldspan dragon because it couldn't attack through red and 7 tokens so it was like suddenly goldspan dragon's not a good card but then the is it epiphany decks came around and they care so little about ren and seven like that's just too slow to beat them so ren and seven started losing favor and that's how yuta and jean-emmanuel depra ended up in the finals on the go- only goldspan dragon decks in the tournament yeah because there was no longer this ren and seven menace that was keeping goldspan dragon down
0: so crazy
1: to see um yeah i would really weird like transition of events where it was like the best card in the format but then so much so that people adapted and then it became a bad card yeah (laughs) really really now i think it's just back to being pretty good and most mono green decks will play it Mm -hmm. but it's not
0: as big of this huge menace as it was at the beginning so um fun to see that whole you know a spiral of, of events that that went uh went down but um Still, through all that, it's worth a slot, definitely.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, people still play it, and it was so worth a slot that it warped the metagame for a while. So. Yeah. Yeah, so my layup was the Meat Hook Massacre. Ooh. Um, <laughs> so this does did see play in standard, right? Like, there is a mono-black control deck in standard. It's just not really tier one because it's so bad against Is It Epiphany. It's kind of a metagame call because it's so easy to beat Mono Green and Mono White with it, Mm -hmm. but it's next to impossible to beat Is it Epiphany with it. Um, This was my choice for day one of the Arena Open. (laughs) I played Mono Black Control, and I was just thinking that in best of one, I was thinking I'm going to see a lot of aggro, and this deck's like a free win against aggro, and a free loss against Is it Epiphany, and like a bad matchup, but playable against is it dragons and i went seven seven and two is, it, is that what it is to, mm-hmm. to get through day one yeah i played is it twice and mono green and mono white six times <laughs> and the last match for the win and in was someone else on mono black control so we had this like crazy grindy game for the win and in and i was like no i couldn't have just been mono green again <laughs> but uh, i had better draws than them and it's best of one so i managed to squeeze there you go that.
0: Nice. Um, Yeah, the one thing about this, I mean, like, this card is pretty sweet, and I definitely agree that it's still worth this lot. It hasn't really moved in my uh, um, rankings, I guess. But there was a weird thing that, I don't know if we talked about this before. However, in the forefront of the art, now this is is classic. Uh, Zach's had a couple beers, just wants to talk about the art of magic cards again. Um, (laughs) But at the beginning, everyone was talking about how there's, like, a hook that has a hand in it. Um, yeah, and there's a bunch of people that thought that that was a monkey or thought it look like a monkey because well, it I, kind I gotta bring this up. Yeah, so it looks like a, a, a monkey with like a leg that's really long and maybe with the tail behind it and then its arms are the, the hook and the arms are holding onto the card frame and its head is like the wrist of the hand. Um, it took me a <laughs> it took me a very long time because on Twitter, everyone was like, oh, that's not a monkey? And the people kept talking about that. I'm like so confused, and I could not see it for the life of me. I was like, what is this monkey everyone's talking about? There's no monkey.
1: I kind of see it now that you've described exactly what's supposed to be what to me, but why does it have like a squid head then?
0: Yeah, it has like a weird like triangle head thing, and then, um, I mean, it's obviously a hand. There's no way... It's not a hand.
1: I always saw this as a hand.
0: Yeah, it seemed very <laughs> clear to me. However, there's a, a yeah. group of people that and now every time I think about it, I think about that monkey thing. But uh, <laughs>
1: That's hilarious. I still don't really see a monkey, but if I like blur my eyes and just look at the faint outline of the shape, I'm like, maybe?
0: Maybe <laughs> if the monkey's looking the other direction, it's just the back of the monkey. Um, but I think someone had drawn the outline of it on the card once and I was like oh there's the monkey oh I see it now uh, so, but it took a really long time anyway um, has nothing to do with whether it's worth a slot but uh, look at that card and th- tell me if it looks <laughs> Thanks like a for monkey sharing
1: that uh, now, now I'm going to think that every time <laughs> you're welcome
0: uh all right on to three pointers um i feel like uh, it
1: does th- see some plain historic which i'll talk about later though right 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 right
0: um so uh for our three pointers or, or mine at least um i picked intrepid adversary which is the white adversary of the cycle and um i think mm-hmm. i might have cheated a little bit on this one because it's uh, also seems fairly uh, lay up it's very much like a easy easy one to include And, uh, you know, obviously in mono-white, and it's been great, and I still really like it. Um, Hey, having an Anthem on a creature, it's uh, already a good body. I like it.
1: Yeah, I think the only commitment here was, like, if you think mono-white's going to be a good deck. Because that wasn't necessarily clear that mono-white would still be one of the tier one decks when this set dropped. And... You know, so then maybe Intrepid Adversary just doesn't get played because it just doesn't have a home. But certainly I think, you know, if you knew Mono White was going to be good, you'd suspect that at least a couple of copies of this would be going in.
0: Yeah, especially because it, and in that deck we were talking about how it has so many 3-drops. Well, because this is a 2-drop or a 4-drop, basically.
1: Right. Um, Works really well for their curve. It
0: really helps the curve. Um, It just kind of fits Mm -hmm. in spots that uh, other ones don't. So, um, yeah, I still think it's the best of the cycle there. And uh, I love it uh, a lot. So I absolutely drained
1: my three point shot oh, as well. God. <laughs>
0: so. I can't believe that. I cannot believe this. Yeah. Card.
1: So my three pointer was Lear, disciple of the Drowned. Um, this hit harder than my layup did. <laughs> this smashed through the basket. Uh, yeah. I mean, this card just kind of blew up at the World Championships and has been a big part of the meta game ever since.
0: Yeah. You'll see, uh-huh. like it's in sideboards, or it's in the main deck, or it's, it's just everywhere. I, I, it's crazy. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I just love that, you know, everyone heard it first, right? Everyone knew. They yeah, were yeah. like, oh, the arena <laughs> regular said that it's gonna be, uh, it's a three-point yeah, shot. Yeah,
1: obviously listened to the show. Yeah. Someone from that channel, Fireball Team, did. And yeah. They, you know, they built that, built that deck for the World Championships based on that advice, but, uh, so.
0: You're welcome, Matt Sperling, Burling, Gavisif. Yeah. You know, you heard it here. You guys
1: wouldn't have known about this card, obviously. Otherwise, mm-hmm. so. yeah, it's
0: not like Autumn Burchett was playing it on her stream or anything. That didn't happen.
1: Um, no, 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 no. I think no, no, I would have no. mentioned that. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, it <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, she was even playing the blue-black deck control deck, which is like basically the blue-black control deck that exists in small numbers in the format now, it's like three or four layers.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember when the uh, world championship deck list came out and how stoked I was to see that that card was in there.
1: Um, I was like, yeah. And it even had some, like, the deck lists contained some of our (laughs) first sips choices from, like, the previous set too. Yeah, it's so like it's, hey, they finally, they finally hey, cracked the. All center.
0: the, all right, okay, all right. Well, maybe, maybe we do know some stuff. We joke around a lot. I joke around a lot that I'm not really good at this game, but hey, you know, maybe, uh,
1: maybe I know a thing or two. Maybe it, uh, it is. Once you get past the art and actually read the text of the card, you know. It's just, oh, it's, I barely. It's I So rarely, hard for you to get that far down there.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> once you get to like the first line, you know, it's really difficult for me to just finish the rest of it um so reading was hard for me as a kid so it it continues through through uh to today um as you'll see more fun to
1: figure out if it's a hand or a monkey you know yeah exactly i mean like that's a story right
0: (laughs) (laughs) not that i don't remember whether when their creature dies i lose a life or if my creature dies i lose a life i never remember that part of the card (laughs) (laughs) but i remember that it looks like i have to read it every time anything happens (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm like okay so if i block um, if I kill their thing, I'll be fine. And then i die. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so let's go to some, uh, half court shots because whew, this one,
1: Oh yeah. I mean, we only, yeah, we only made two predictions, right? You know, I don't think we made a third one. Uh, did we? Oh, you're we just right. To yeah. The layups and the three pointers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Half courts. We just decided
0: that, about, but, but that wasn't the thing. Uh, no, just kidding. We did. Yeah. Um, to be fair, m- we were both talking that these cards could possibly be in a different format. We don't play very often, and kind of for fun, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, though I'm not, I'm not happy with mine. I wish I never had said this, and I wish it
1: would just go away. But um, I'm just being reminded that this is a card in the set now as I look at <laughs> your half court.
0: Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I picked Sarah the Viper's Fang, which is like you know that. Um, Commander, it's a legendary creature, it's green, it like gives all your stuff. Uh Death Touch when they're tapped and hexproof when they're untapped and um it can do some tappy shenanigans. Um, uh, you know, it's fun in draft kind of. And uh it's not fun <laughs> in Brawl. Not at all. Not even like as your commander it's not fun. I tried, it was horrible. I like I hated every second of it and I um mm-hmm. it was it was just bad. Um, there are some fun things in draft if you happen to have it and you're playing blue and maybe you have some of the tappers or maybe blue or black where you have the things that tap your creatures to do abilities. So you can block with something and then tap it with another creature to give it death touch as it blocks to kill the thing. There's some fun little stuff like that. Um, but besides that, you know, it's uh, it's not worth it. It's not
1: worth a slot. Like <sighs> <laughs> It's not. By the way, speaking of cards that I never remember what the hell they do, like, I don't remember if this gives itself Death Touch when it's tapped, or if it just has Death Touch naturally, or what does it do to untap something? Like, I never remember what all the stuff, what all the lines of text on this card are specifically.
0: Yeah, so lucky for you, it doesn't really matter because no one plays it, and (laughs) it's not really even in Limited because people don't want to play the green. A ton? I don't know. It just, True, yeah. It's not great. It's not good. I
1: really thought there was going to be a green-black, Finn the fang bear, Sereth the Vipers Fang uh, combo deck in standard, but I guess it didn't quite get there, did it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. All your decay zombies have that touch? Maybe. That could be, you know.
1: Yeah? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it Sounds like it could beat Is It Epiphany.
0: You know what you do is you, you do all that, but also you have... All Runs Epiphany, so then your birds get Death Touch, and then they also deal poison, too. Because, ah, you know, you that's what that... De- and you
1: cut all the bad black and green cards, you put in some red removal, and some mm-hmm. blue card draw. And oh, and then, deck.
0: instead of Sereth, maybe you could play Goldspan Dragon. That'd probably be better. And then...
1: Oh, smart, smart. Mm, yeah. It's okay, my half-court shot wasn't much better, so <laughs> this was Jaron Corrupted Bishop, uh, slash doll whatever the... back. Side of the <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, God. This is the guy that makes a, a 1 1 when he comes into play, 1 1 human, and you lose a life. And then anytime a human dies, a non token human, you, that same thing happens. And then if you're at exactly 13 life, you can pay 6 mana to transform him into a huge 6 6 flying demon that sacks creatures to draw cards. and um, The backside is very good, but. The conditions on transforming this are way too stringent. Like, I even played the deck. There was some event where they had precons for you mm-hmm. because I yep. wanted a Suspicious Stowaway art, alternate art. And so I played the Jaren deck that they had built because I saw he was on the cover, mm-hmm. just picked it. I was like, yes, it's worth a slot now. I made it. Uh, it wasn't even good in that deck like that deck just didn't have humans and i was like what is going on with this deck and it gains a lot of life so you were never at 13 to transform it <laughs>
0: yeah i i did exactly the same thing because i also wanted to see if jaren was worth a slot so i played the whole event as that deck and um yeah. you know what happens is you just win the game before he can flip
1: well before he transformed i think yeah. i transformed him once in an irrelevant situation where i was going to win anyways my opponent mm-hmm. just hadn't conceded yet
0: I would have had to make it look like I wasn't going to win because in those events, because you don't really lose anything, people will concede very quickly. Um, just to get to the next
1: one. And you could just keep playing. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, um, which makes sense, you know, Hey, if you want to do that, I don't really like it when people do that, but if you don't, obviously that's fine, you know, it's your time, right? It's your time. So if you want to concede, that's, you know, you're saving your time. I get it. Um, But yeah, it would be only someone who was really bitter and would not give up. And if I just never attacked and then finagled my way into
1: flipping it just to kill them. I don't know. uh, Yeah, but I did lose a lot of games because I just had three gerants that I drew. And I was like, this is is awful. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I could play another one to make two tokens. Yeah. You could. Not good. It's too hard to transform them.
0: If you didn't have to pay six mana, the the fact that you have to pay six is outrageous.
1: Um, yeah. I I'm not looking at the card right now, but I'm sure you had to like do it at sorcery speed just to like top it all off and being awful. No, it's not So <laughs> It's
0: specifically at the end of your turn. You can only do it at the end.
1: Oh, end. right. Yeah, so it's even worse than sorcery. <laughs> it's yeah. Like has to happen on end step.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's very specific. You know, it seems like... You don't even get the attack in. No,
1: until a whole turn cycle. It's a
0: blocker. You can sack all your creatures to draw cards if you want. It's really good in like an. That is pretty sweet. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Anyway, let's move over to our overrated <laughs> and underrated cards. Um, my yeah,
1: we did a little better here. So. We did. Uh, my
0: overrated card that I picked this during hype season. Maybe that's what we call it. Spoiler season, hype season. Uh, anyway, um, hype season. Hype season, uh, primal adversary was everywhere. People wanted to know what is the adversary cycle and what is the one that's going to be the busted one. Everyone started pointing right at the green one because, of course, green. Uh, people
1: love pointing at green cards and being like, this is crazy.
0: Uh, it's happening right now. Uh, anyway,
1: and I mean, just probabilistically speaking, right? If they were like, hey, there's a cycle, which one do you think's busted? I'd say green.
0: Yeah, it's true. And then it came the best out. It
1: odds of being
0: correct. <laughs> it, it came out. People continue to say it was busted. And I was reading it and I was like, I don't think it's that busted. Um, this is the wolf mm-hmm. that uh, can turn your lands into three threes. And um, well, needless to say, it. Uh, I don't ever really care if it's on the battlefield. Um, and if they have enough lands that uh, they could turn a couple of them into three threes, I lost already. So it doesn't matter. Like it's never really the card that I'm worried. I'm like, oh, no, this
1: is the card.
0: It's a really yeah. good three mana uh, four three trampler. That's
1: good job. But besides that, yeah, it's it's okay. I don't know. I mean, I still see some mono green players playing it, but it's like you're saying. I'm always relieved when they yeah. cast that. They're like tapping five mana or something. Then that's what they're playing. I'm like, oh, whew. oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's like I was worried it was going to be uh Renin seven or something. Exactly. I
0: I, I think it's exactly yeah. where I thought it was and. You can play it. It's a it's a four powered three drop, so it crews the the chariot.
1: Right. I think it's fine, but it got a lot of hype, like you were saying.
0: Yeah, people were playing the other one, the um the one that makes a clue token and is a four or three as long as you have a token.
1: Briar Ridge it, tracker. Yeah,
0: Briar Ridge Tracker because it has vigilance instead, which is just like more mm-hmm. helpful
1: and draws the card exactly
0: if you want it to. If you if that card ends up dying, so um if you're looking for a four powered three drop. There's a, there's a different one that you could use.
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it. This card's fine, but it was, like, crazy hyped. Yeah. And so it was overrated. Yes,
0: the Arena Regulars. Another one in the
1: bank. Mine, I went a little lower. Like, I don't know if people were exactly blowing up about this, but I saw a lot of people excited about it. And as I kind of thought, it's just seeing zero play. So that's a Guardian Savior. If you don't remember what card this is, it's the 3-3 three, three flyer that reanimates 2-2 two, two drops when it comes into play. Yeah,
0: big thing. 5 mana. Yeah, it's 5 mana. That's what I was going to say. Um, that's yeah. why it's uh, a card that we don't care for. Um, yep, I also saw... I didn't see as many people saying stuff about this, but I definitely saw people <laughs> excited about it um, for Standard, which I was like, I don't think so. And, yeah. uh, Isn't this Commander, card just not good enough? Yeah, is it good in Commander? No. 5 mana for... Why are you playing the two drop creatures in your, well, I, I guess you could, there might be some stuff, but I don't know, maybe a combo thing. I never know what combo thing is. It's just
1: are. like, it's a value card in mono white and that doesn't, that's not a good plan. Mono white has to be, get under you and be disruptive.
0: Yeah. Or you have to be able to bring back three power or like three CMC or sorry, um, mana value creatures so that when they ETB, they have relevant effects.
1: And I can't be intrepid adversary because you have to pay for that one, so yeah like, so what is it a nine mana play you're making here exactly
0: so mech. if you could bring back two of two uh brutal cathars or you could bring back two uh uh skyclave apparitions or something Paolo's mm-hmm. something like that, a lot more interesting uh because it's only your two drops
1: if it was three drops, it'd be insane, yeah
0: um or just At two eat, drops i think it's if drop. it was one three drop i'd be much happier actually i think
1: yeah that's it would have if it was like a two, a three drop and a two drop maybe it gets there or whatever mm-hmm. definitely two three drops would be crazy because it'd be like bring back paulo and uh paulo again <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah just double Paolo. double paulo i have nine mana in the air or sorry the mono white deck is such like a well-oiled machine right it's very Mm -hmm. particular it doesn't want it doesn't need more ways to like spend mana and all this does is get clunked up in your hand in the early game when you don't want it
0: it so the mono white deck doesn't want four drops so it really doesn't
1: want five drops you know what i mean
0: like yeah exactly like it barely plays four drops and it's only four drops that like draw cards
1: yeah sometimes that angel or whatever Like Uh, Legion sneaks its way in, and
0: Legion Legion Angel Angel, draws you cards that. I mean, it just you're not getting a bunch of flyers, basically. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. That like make your opponent want to wrath the board the next turn because if they wrath the turn that you get the Legion Angel in your hand, then you're just gonna play another one anyway, and get another one anyway. Um, Yeah, I've been in that bind before. (laughs) Yeah, so like that's why that card's better. Anyway, I'm gonna just calm down from the once we start to get mono white stuff i get kind of uh
1: well that's good because our next two cards are also uh, part of the mono white menace that's right
0: um these are our underrated undervalued um cards that you should have been playing and uh luckily they uh have been played they are being seen yeah and heard and uh i'm, I'm just happy for that i'm happy that they got this um mine was brutal Cathar. i had mentioned it earlier but um Yeah, that card's pretty sweet. It's not absurd, um, but it is super helpful for a a lot of corner cases and different things. Um, But it's good at getting rid of tokens. At the time, I was really excited because it was getting rid of a lot of the uh, red and seven tokens. Now, because it's doing less of that, um, not as amazing, because the more times you flip it back and forth... Um, it becomes a really good target for a removal, and then you just give your opponent a bunch of creatures yeah. <laughs> back. Uh, especially when they board wipe, and then their board has you know two or three creatures on it. But I still think it's a really good include in the mono white deck, uh, and it's something that should be yeah. either in your main deck or in your sideboard because um, in the situations it's good, it's pretty good.
1: Totally, yeah, um, yeah. You nailed it with this one. One thing I'll say about playing against this card now. Is that what initially read to me as upside, the whole transform, Mm -hmm. and then you have the, so you like, ideally you play this, you eat something, you transform, and then you have ward, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like harder to get your thing back because the stupid thing has ward. But I played a lot of games against Mono White where I would like, oh, a brutal Cathar would kill me here. I'm just or like be really good against me here. I'm just gonna pass the turn, so it's night, so it doesn't actually work. It doesn't eat anything when Mm -hmm. it comes into play, and so that I've I've actually been able to make use of as a downside on the card that uh, the backside doesn't exile anything when it enters the battlefield. So you can, if it's nighttime, they don't get you with it.
0: So you're saying if it's day or night is already in play in the game, and you're worried (laughs) about another one coming from their hand. You would keep it night. Okay. Or make it night.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. So I've been playing my rogues deck and I Mm -hmm. play Suspicious Stowaway. So I've usually started the day-night cycle myself. And then it's hard for them to get rid of because I just make sure it's always night. Got it.
0: That is interesting. I do like that. Um, And then
1: I was like, well, that's like a hidden downside on the card that I didn't see before. But the card is still very good. Yeah. Um, I think it's mostly like replaced Skyclave Apparition. Yeah. At this point.
0: Um just because it really doesn't give them anything back. Or no, sorry, it does give things back. But you and can... there are
1: the games where it steals two things. And...
0: It's also helpful in combination with Skyclave Apparition, because if you play Skyclave first and they get rid of it, you can kill the token without any repercussions. You're like, oh, sweet. Right, yeah. Um, that's some fun stuff I was doing with like Deputy of Detention and Historic with Skyclave, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but right. uh, with some Flickr things. But um, what I did want to say quickly about your Stowaway that this is just a little anecdote about that, is that uh, turns out Suspicious Stowaway is a werewolf when it's the human. it's a Or it's a rogue, right? And <laughs> right. then when you flip yeah. it, it's just a werewolf. So if you have a bunch of thought thieves on the battlefield, um, you think you're going to attack for four, you know, or a, whatever, a lot uh, with your rogue. But then uh, you accidentally flip it because you think, oh, werewolves are better. Not all the time. Not all the time. Yeah, actually, most of the time,
1: <laughs> I've definitely definitely made that mistake mm-hmm. with that that deck too, where I'm just like, oh yeah, of course I flip it. And then I don't have to loot. I get to draw. Yeah, it's like, well, you lost like three power that way, but yeah,
0: I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> and sucks. now
1: you can't use your Zareth Sand. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: oh. oh, I really needed to be a rogue. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Yeah. that really, uh, I'm really happy right now. Anyway,
1: Jeff, let's go to yeah.
0: your uh, your underrated <laughs> card.
1: Yeah, my underrated card choice was Curse of Silence, um, which you know not—it doesn't see as much play as Brutal Cathar does, um, but some people play it. Uh, it's a way to like combat Epiphany decks, basically.
0: Yeah, it made it uh, to worlds. So there we um, go. Yeah, you know, made it to worlds. Big one so. there. Um, these cards, the Curse of Silence, uh, specifically, and all these kinds of those tacting things, or whenever you have to name something. Um, really good if you're really good you know the card gets better
1: that's why they show up at worlds but mm -hmm. maybe not at like you know whatever the ladder
0: that's the card that the ladder the the
1: ladder you also don't have open deck list
0: that's true so like the uh the ladder player could take that deck and then the first card they're taking out of the sideboard is the one that they don't know how to use um Right. Not that I've
1: Which, which I, is fine, you should do it. It's yeah, also different Not, a not, not that I do that. And ladder. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. I don't take out cards I don't know how to use. I, I learn how to use yeah. cards. For sure. You see Zach like clicking cards constantly. It's like what the fuck? There's only what? like eight cards in the deck. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs>
0: I don't know what any of these cards do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is another reminder as we go into hype season slash spoiler season. Uh that you should read all the cards at sorcery speed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be a Zach, <laughs> and don't be a Zach. In that sense, in other senses, it's bit. good. In in like the beer drinking, in the bringing of the beers. If you you give beer anyway, don't worry about it. Um, I got it. it I just you know I want everyone to know. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure that message came across uh, very clearly and yeah, easily. Totally, totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> but after our worthless lots. Uh, uh, that was a nice review. I feel like we did a pretty good job. Um, let's go to some of yeah, our... That would
1: be our best one.
0: It probably be is best our best one. one, yeah. Um, but we like to always talk about some of our favorite cards that may not have been talked about already, but probably were, uh, for, yeah. um,
1: for... <laughs> can't help ourselves.
0: ...this set. So, for Limited, uh, I have decided that my favorite card actually to play was, uh, Scab Wrangler, or Scab Wrangler, however you say that word.
1: Um... You know, I was thinking about this. I don't know if I ever had this card on my side of the battle. Are card. you serious? I don't think so. Like every t- I didn't draft blue black that often, but when I did get it, I just never had this card.
0: <laughs> this is the card that would immediately make me go into blue black. And it was my, like, it was first pickable. I was like, I'm going to, I want. Oh this yeah.
1: Card.
0: I mean, I lost to this card a lot. It is. <laughs> like a lot. V- it's very good. Um, and it's super fun.
1: But because everyone's first picking it, like, I don't know, if you don't open it, you don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: um, but this card is a blast. This is the 2-1 the that uh, you tap three creatures and you tap one of their things. It w- mm-hmm. I had a blast playing with this card. Um, and I, I was hoping that it would be fun uh, when
1: I was reading it, but uh, man, it
0: was fun. Yeah, I, It was so fun.
1: Yeah. I lost a lot to this card. And I beat this card a few times when I believed that had my opponents played better, I sh- should have lost because they were just tapping the wrong thing. But, uh, like, this card can be very frustrating to play against. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, all right, so you have a bunch of idiot zombies. So, what, my two best creatures are taken out of whatever combat you feel like taking them out of? That's so busted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's
0: great. Uh, but Jeff, what was your favorite card for limited?
1: All right, so I picked this one because uh, you know we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but you know sometimes there are just cards that you think are better than everyone else. you end up you end up taking them and other people don't take them. And then there's the opposite. other people like cards that you don't like as much, so you just never get that card. For me, Gavini Silversmith was my top white comment through the entire set. So <laughs> I'm still still there. I don't know why everyone else is off it. Um, other people are saying like Luminarch Aspirant or Luminarch. Uh, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. I don't. I think that card was underrated at the start. I don't think it's the best white common. I still think this one is, and people are like, "This card isn't good in blue white, which is the best deck." I'm like, "Yes, it is. What are you talking about? Yeah. You put counters on flyers. It's fucking awesome." Um, i don't know this card is great it's my number one it's probably my most drafted common if i had access to those stats
0: um i do want to say an honorable mention because a card that we thought was terrible at first and then turned out to be just phenomenal in limited was thraben exorcism
1: thraben Exorcism.
0: <laughs> i'm just kidding it's not thraben exorcism that card's still trash it was played against me once and i was like are you kidding
1: <laughs> in your blue-white spirits deck. Yeah. Like, wow. I was like, <laughs> wow, really seriously?
0: <laughs> that you oh, okay, for yeah. sure, for sure. Of course you had that.
1: Um
0: But uh going on to uh, our favorite cards for standard. Actually, I was surprised by thinking about this, but um on, thing in the egg, smoldering egg was my mm-hmm. favorite standard card. Because looking at it, I thought the card was super sweet in hype season. And uh, I was really stoked. It actually like cracked into standard and was used a lot and was huge.
1: Yeah, it's probably one of the biggest additions to standard from mm. the set.
0: Yeah, I haven't played it a ton, and it's usually like the annoying card I have to play against. But I just thought it was a really sweet card that um, ended up working really well with the like because it got to flip immediately from Epiphany or from a flashbacked memory uh, deluge was just. Just a nice little, it just worked really well into the the meta. And um, it was, I just, you know, I liked it. I'm I'm happy it did well, so.
1: Yeah. I don't think I've ever cast Smoldering Egg myself in standard, but I do just like having it in the format. I enjoy playing against it because it's like, oh, there's this little clock that I have to deal with now. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just going to be a huge problem in two turns. Yeah.
0: It's like, yeah. And how much do I want to just wait until they're really close and then kill it? Because that sounds right, pretty fun. Right, make them, like,
1: overcommit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they always do something, and you're like, oh, I should not I, I should have it. just killed it, yep. Because
0: <laughs> um, that's when they play the second one.
1: You're like, oh, no. <laughs> when I had that extra mana and a Blood Chief's uh, mm-hmm. Thirst There's... or whatever, I should have just killed it. Yeah, <laughs> it. yeah but
0: uh, anyway... That's a good pick. I think everyone knows what your favorite standard card is. You might have mentioned it a couple times. Maybe. Just
1: just once or twice. Uh, Suspicious Stowaway. (laughs) (laughs) This is the best card in my rogues deck, I feel like, a lot of the time. Like, sometimes it just dies, but if it ever doesn't just die, it's your best card.
0: Yeah. If people don't know how good it is, like, they're used to Thought Thief and... um, the Vampire Nighthawk one. Um, right. You know, they're, they're used to seeing those cards, but because this one always gets through and helps with Zarasan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's super fun. And
1: just sometimes like just the looting is enough. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the looting is enough to get you to a hand that's like finds your memory deluge or whatever. And, yeah. Uh, which was my other choice for a favorite, but had to go with this one. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is like like to your what your point I've had people kill soaring thought thief over this and I was like well that was wrong because this card is going to draw me like three cards mm. but I've actually had people kill Merfolk wind robber over this and I was like well that was super wrong yeah. because like that one I can't even justify for you <laughs> like uh, you were worried about getting milled <laughs> yeah I mean, they must have been worried about getting milled to turn on my Thought Thief or something, but I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just going to draw cards. Yeah, though.
0: Like, but like that... Yeah, drawing cards is better, and you probably can't block either of them, so like... Yeah, if
1: one of them had two powers, it was transformed. Oh, so it's like, oh that's
0: very... Yeah, I don't know who you're playing, but that's very wrong. Maybe
1: they're worried about Xerath's San, Maybe.
0: And they're like, oh, this transformed
1: one is fine. I don't know. Right. Or... And this is what I think is most common, misclick. Oh, yep. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah, that, like I, they just chalked yeah, it up. Yeah, we to found a it. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Is the miss-click. they were right
0: next to each other mm-hmm. on the battlefield. So, there we go. Um, yeah. But moving along, historic, a format I have not played uh, at all. Actually, <laughs> I haven't played this format. I forgot it was a format until we were doing this show.
1: So I don't know if I don't know if we'll still be friends after I tell you what deck I've been playing in historic. Oh no! What have you been playing? I've been playing Is It Epiphany in Historic. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Galvanic iteration. All runs Epiphany combo in historic and I've been winning a lot with it. Oh
0: my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Extra turns, baby. Oh,
0: that's so funny. Uh, no, that's great. I mean, like, is it is it really a standard deck or I mean obviously you
1: upgraded some of the things, but um because you're playing... Oh, I, the combo's basically the only overlap. Okay. Um, uh, oh, no, sorry. Uh, obviously, the other iteration is also... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, iterations and epiphanies mm-hmm. are the only overlap. <laughs> All the good cards. That makes sense. Um, yeah.
0: That's that's funny.
1: Uh, yeah, so I was kind of
0: picking... I haven't really played a lot, um, so I'm assuming these are some cards that are playable and, mm-hmm. and historic. But I picked um, basically kind of the same things, like Delver of Secrets, which is kind of a cheat. Uh, so Consider is probably the actual card. Uh, because right. Delver is, is obviously a reprint, so it doesn't really count for our little discussion. Um, but I'm just, you know, Considering. Consider is probably a good card.
1: And, uh, and I mean, Consider is probably the card that has made the biggest impact on Historic. Yeah. Because it's just like goes into is it phoenix or exactly and so that's what i was thinking i was like oh it's probably all yeah. I can play, So, i was trying to think if there's anything in auras for from this set like i guess maybe malevolent hermit and the sideboard for blue white auras um
0: yeah i don't know i haven't even played th- auras not it's not really oh, th- man, it's horrible
1: i haven't played auras in in months so <laughs> it's uh, i played against it and got got stomped they just have like the perfect hand of, you know, aura, aura creature into auras into like spell pierce everything you do for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. That sounds like so good, much fun. Good, good beats. Ooh, maybe I'll we'll have to play <laughs> some historic soon. That sounds fun. Oh. Uh, yeah, but so the Epiphany deck I was talking about it just plays like Arc Mage's Charm and Chandra, mm-hmm. and Torch of Defiance, one of my favorite cards. Just really good in the deck because it kills them if you if you get an extra turn because it gets to its ultimate very quickly. Mm-hmm. But it also generates two mana for the iteration combo to do it, like, two turns earlier. Uh, And it just kills something if it needs to, so Um, that's probably, like, the best card in the deck. And then, obviously, I have, like, the Narset memory combo and all that, so it's a very frustrating deck to play against, I imagine, because... My sounds, main ways of winning are taking all the turns or Narset memory combo. That sounds horrible.
0: That sounds disgusting. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> all right, let's move on. What's your historic card? I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I chose
1: I chose the the monkey mass. I mean the meat hook massacre, and uh, <laughs> I've just been seeing a lot of a green black deck. So it's like green black sacrifice, and it plays this card. Um, it's. It's just like it took Jund and it threw away the red guards because it feels like it doesn't need them, I guess. And it's all in on like the ravenous squirrels, basically. <laughs> Those like one drops that just get freaking huge. <laughs> uh, and like, uh, what's the food aura, food enchantment card? Oh, trailer trail of of crumbs. crumbs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I guess it's just realizing that. You didn't need the -the over-the-top power that Mayhem Devil and Corvold gave you. You're just gonna grind them out with the green and black cards, with your Gilded Gooses and your Cat Ovens and your.
0: That sounds like the deck you would be playing. That looks like that sounds like.
1: I know. So with and Meat Hook Massacre, it accelerates your cat combo Mm -hmm. because every time you kill the cat, they drain, they lose one. So uh, they play like two copies of this, usually like two plus one or something. So it's you often just play it on two. Just, just to have it not as a sweeper mm-hmm. at all um, but in creature combo matchup or in creature matchups it's really good obviously yeah. So. wow that sounds great
0: uh, man this historic talk I came into the segment feeling like Meh, historic I'm not really into it and now here we yeah. get all these
1: decks it seems really fun so um, I should get back into it <laughs> well if it makes you feel better I'm pretty sure Epiphany will be everywhere soon so you don't have to <laughs> 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 you can go back to, to not enjoying it
0: just, just play standard
1: <laughs> um
0: but a fun one here in our last favorite cards segment or part sorry part of the segment is our favorite art so our favorite art of the set and i said this at the beginning I'm gonna i've said it in the middle i'm gonna say it here again um <laughs> it's jaron corrupted bishop this card
1: yeah. is, i think you said that to me when i took the half court shot with him you're yeah. like i don't think so but i love the art
0: yeah i think it's literally it's it's an art that reminds me of old magic um i don't know how to pronounce this artist's name but i'm going to kind of try but uh Mm -hmm. young j Choi, i believe that's Mm -hmm. close those are the the letters that are in the name um anyway uh it is phenomenal uh, just
1: Their stuff is always really good. So um, they've done a lot of pe- like they did Valky Tybalt, uh from that set. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they get a, a lot of like high profile pieces. Yeah,
0: the, the like these other ones are, are nice and they do have that similar like rough gruff, gruff feel. Like they're kind of mm-hmm. really meaty, but Jaren is okay. So they did uh, Kaya Orzov usurper, which I also liked quite a bit. Um, right, but. Uh, just the fact that the point of view that they're taking for Jaron from high up and he's looking up in his um, kind of cape thing or like, I guess, part of, I don't know. Robes. Robes, yeah, whatever. are like on the ground and the way that they're moving and how uh, photorealistic it feels. Um, mm-hmm. And then juxtaposed with the backside where do you see where we were looking from as we were Ormandal at the beginning, looking down at him? Um, just, uh, that's a piece that, you oh, yeah, know, that's cool. Yeah, I, I could literally I
1: really think of it as like Ormondall looking down at him. Yeah. Like
0: we are Ormondall looking at him Right. and the way yeah, that yeah, his, like cool. his expression on his face is like looking at us as if we're this thing that he's summoned. Um, really phenomenal. That's the kind of like go to museum, talk about this art for a long time. Like it's my favorite art from probably this whole year. It could be so, um, I'm big, I'm big on the art of
1: this card. So,
0: almost as good as the monkey.
1: Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. As <laughs> soon as I realized it was a monkey, you know, I had to change my <laughs> I answer.
0: changed my my idea to Vito uh, Basker. But anyway, sorry. Um, what is your favorite art from the
1: set? So, I was a bit torn. Um, I'm just going to go with the one that in- initially stood out to me, though. And that's Wake to Slaughter. Mm. Which if you don't remember this card, I don't blame you (laughs) because uh, it's not exactly one you'll see often. Um, But it basically is just like a, all these coffins standing upright. So I guess it's kind of like a cemetery where instead of, instead of burying the coffins, they just threw them there (laughs) Yeah. and it's like an arm reaching out and opening its own coffin door. Uh, And it just looks pretty cool. It, it, for me, it just encapsulates the Innistrad vibe mm-hmm. really well. And I think that's what I what I like about it. Um, the other one that I had, and just because this is just kind of a funny thing to me, but I was playing a limited match where I thought I couldn't possibly lose. And then my opponent played this card called Lord of the Forsaken, which is a 6-6 Flying Trample. You can pay a mana to sack another creature to have someone mill three cards. And you can pay a life To add mana that you can cast to cast stuff from your Mm graveyard. Anyways, I got completely smashed afterwards. And I was just like, I've never heard of this card or seen this card. Didn't know it ex-like, I must have just skipped it during hype season Mm -hmm. and then never cast it because it's a mythic that is not playable in in the constructed formats that I play. And then I was just like, what the hell is that? cool art though i remember thinking oh that's a badass demon (laughs) it's a pretty sick Uh, that's a badass demon that's about to kick my ass (laughs) Um, oh man that's all i remember about this card i was just like i've never seen this card ever (laughs) uh, i'm about to lose to it well at least
0: you lost to something that looked super cool um exactly yeah uh, totally uh the one thought i had about wake to slaughter is that in the background of the art, you can kind of, you can see the moon, which is like the, um, there's a little thing right, in the sky. Yeah. And uh, there's things that look like they're falling, or either falling or going up to the sky, depending on which, some of them look like they're going down,
1: some of them look like they're going up. Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was just rain, but... Uh, I can't tell if it's like... stylistically? I, I don't know if it's... Or are these like the souls going into the... Uh, dead bodies or oh something. that's
0: interesting I was thinking it, it was literally space coffins coming down from the sky and landing like oh, that oh yeah are just like a meteor yeah. and, then, and, and they just stand, stand up really and easy. then they open their it doors it does kind
1: of look like that I guess because there's a bit of a crater underneath the, the coffin yeah. you see at the front so maybe I don't know
0: that wasn't part of
1: any Innistrad lore really it feels a bit like sci-fi to be in the set it does for that to be um,
0: but it also reminds me of old Mortal Kombat games where you go around in the crypt is like the coffins and you like them yeah, and stuff true so that could also I love be, those
1: games so maybe yeah, that's why maybe like that's a part. reason
0: why you like that card but uh all right jeff well that's basically our happy hour for uh innistrad midnight hunt but before we're done i just want to ask was this a set that was a uh home run slam dunk do you think so
1: i think it was a success okay for sure it, it gave me the innistrad vibe uh, and I think if they just didn't call it a werewolf set, you could you could throw it in the home run slam dunk category because it gave me zombies and spirits and vampires mm-hmm. and werewolves and, and it was all really cool. But it's just, you know, if you promise werewolves, I think you got to give a few more werewolves or some better werewolves to consider this a home run slam dunk.
0: I think I agree with you um, 100%. Um, we're very close to the home run slam dunk. Um, maybe it's just like a... To a triple. There we go. It's a triple. <laughs> yeah. We're on third base, but we're close to getting home, and there aren't any basketball players in the arena. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, It's like a triple layup or yeah, something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um,
0: sports. Um, but, you know, anyway, uh, Jeff, it's time for last call. I know. Last call. I know. No one likes to hear last call, but it is time, and this happy hour is ending. So uh, with that, let's pick our last beers of the night and the one that we liked the best. Um, I won't be mad because I picked them both. So um, uh, (laughs) whichever one you think is the best, Uh, I know what it is. I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Pressure's
1: on. Yeah. Pressure's on. All right.
0: (laughs) All righty, Jeff. Are you ready for the big reveal? I, f- I have a sneaking well, suspicion. I think I know which one you picked, um, but uh, I'm ready to be proven wrong. No, I'm not. I know what you picked. All right, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Three, two, run, one. Yeah, buddy, that's what I thought.
1: <laughs> I was like, he's not gonna be surprised. But if I say I think he'll be surprised, it'll throw him off.
0: You threw me. You did throw me off. I screwed up the the counting a little bit because of that. But uh, no surprise here. I said it from the very beginning. But uh, we both picked the Boggy Hall Brown Ale from Rival Trade.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good Brown Ale. And I'm almost assuredly going to pick it almost no matter what the second beer I had was. But
0: I don't think it was just a good Brown Ale. I think it was like a really good Brown Ale. I was. Yeah, yeah. Pretty pl- pleasantly surprised uh, when I tried it. I was like, ooh. This is a small brewery in a small town, but this is a real tasty beer. Um, I like this quite a bit. So, um, Jeff, should we talk first about rival trade and, or about the Boggy Hall, this brown ale?
1: Yeah, let's start, start there. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just really good. Um, and the scarcity of brown ales, especially around here, um, makes me all the more inclined to pick it, which is what I was saying. That's like, oh, I just don't get to have brown ales often because they're not that popular, so people don't brew them, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Uh, but I really love them, and this one is very good. So yeah. it's like, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. was a shoe-in to win. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, I was also surprised. This wasn't, I mean, at this uh, brewery, they had this brown ale, but a, a good variety of stuff that wasn't all IPAs. And a couple of the other places I went to were also... F- I mean, I did I only went to two breweries, but both of them had a good amount of brown ales and mu- like less IPAs than any other spot. Now, I don't know if it's because we're coming into fall or something and more of the uh, winter beers are coming be, out. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, is Alberta like... Loving brown ales, like, is that what everybody wants here? Because I'm down for that, Let's- yeah.
1: <laughs> will have to have to move out west, yeah. This is
0: pretty sick. Um, so yeah, I uh, I had this on a hockey little hockey teams
1: are doing well out there, too. yeah. <laughs>
0: <That's a whole. laughs> I uh, I had this one as a um, just a little sample with their uh, their thing, and I just took one sip. I'm like, oh, I'm bringing this one, I uh, I like this,
1: yeah. It's hard to describe, but you get it on the first taste. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, sometimes like a poorly made, in my opinion, brown ale, it'll taste like they kind of poured coffee into it, or they mm-hmm. like a lot of them have coffee flavor or whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be coffee, but whatever it is, um, chocolate or something, it'll just taste like they added that. Mm-hmm. And this, you can tell that there is those there are those flavors, but they're coming from roasted malts, yeah. which I think is when you get a really good brown ale, they're using a really high class, like roasted malt Mm -hmm. in this. um, That gives you all the adjunct flavors that you need without having to add anything.
0: Yeah. It's not like some extra thing that you exactly like you were saying. Um, It's a higher percentage it's 6%, which is nice. And um, which is like the good sweet spot. Like I do like one that's at six. And um, also it's not like too sweet. Like, sometimes there's more, like, right. honey browns and things like that, Um, which I do like. But, like, I could drink a lot of these and be really happy with that. But, yeah, no, I am very pleasantly
1: surprised with this one. Um, So. And the color is beautiful, too. Oh, my like As soon as I poured it, I was like, yeah, that's what I want a brown ale to yeah. look like. It's, like,
0: very nice and brown. I'm putting it up to the light, that's why. And, um yeah, yeah it's a. Uh, yeah right the ring light works really well mm-hmm. yeah it's a good uh <laughs> it yeah like. it's a good color, so yeah happy with this one i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this in a diamond i like this
1: uh quite yeah a bit. this this one was diamond for me too solidly ensconced in diamond mm-hmm.
0: i think um which uh which i was really i was really happy to see, so it was a, a fun little discovery for me to be like, oh, I think this is uh definitely mm-hmm. a worth worth a slot in my fridge <laughs> yeah um but uh wonderful so let's go to super saturation which is the new england pale ale that i also brought but um the 70s life jacket looking beer um check that yeah. out on our instagram if you want to understand what i'm talking about but what did you think i want to know what do you think
1: uh so i thought it was good i mm-hmm. liked it um there was just nothing that really wowed me about it mm-hmm. i guess it's a fine example i think of it new england ipa mm-hmm. again it's not what i'm gonna run after yeah uh, i feel
0: like i gave it huge props because of the label and i was i do love uh, the yeah. can like <laughs> i love the can and all their other stuff yeah. has similar things that are kind of like this as well um we did uh, a beer that was similar to this like hi-fi a while ago um right yeah they kind of awesome can as well yeah it was kind of like a old um vhs tape-ish looking colors um which i liked but that was like more into the sour range um and this one just felt uh so it's like a new england pale ale so it's not as heavy i feel as like the ipa sometimes but um just as far as like just a hazy drinkable drink I, I thought it was yeah. nice.
1: It definitely delivers that, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's a New England pale ale for sure.
0: It is the kind of thing, like, it does feel summertime, just the way you look at it and, like, the the beer style. Um, and I'm like, ooh, if I was drinking this on a... I mean, I guess I'm getting big boat vibes from this whole thing. So I'm thinking, like, thinking can I drink this on a boat? Like, How many can I drink on a boat? Uh, who has a boat that I can be on? Like, that's what I'm thinking. If I spill some on my Sperry's, will mm-hmm. that ruin them? Yeah. Um, so I was happy with that and it's, uh, I would love to have a cooler full of those. Um, mm-hmm. but with that said, uh, I still think it's like, it's like on the, it's like platinum, but it really gets a leg up from the label because if I drink that same beer and it didn't have the can, um, I could see it not being as exciting. Um, but the can does a, a lot of lifting for me. So Depending on how yeah. you feel about uh, cans,
1: <laughs> I guess. Uh, that's exactly where I was at. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's the gold platinum border for me. Uh, and then I, I kind of was reflecting. I was like, it, it might be a bit harsh to give this gold. Mm-hmm. Like That might just be me comparing it to the beer I had before. Because, you know, it was like, I took one sip of this. was like, well, I'm going to choose the other one. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm happy to give it platinum, I yeah. guess.
0: Um, but I, I do, uh, even having this one first, um, was having a similar reflection of like, you know what? I, uh, we'll, we'll see. And I do like this one a lot, but like I said before, um, if it had a different label, I might have felt differently. So, um, it's platinum with a little, uh, asterisk of like, well, you know, their marketing is strong. So
1: I like that. Um, it's just hard when it's like gold is we won't drink it again. Or won't often drink mm. or whatever. It's like, that's just true because it's from a different province. Exactly. You know, so... Uh, it, usually that's how I distinguish between gold and platinum. It's like, would I drink this again? It's like, well, I that question is ruined because I already know that it's hard for me to obtain this.
0: Yeah. So, and then if you I'd were like, in Alberta, you probably wouldn't drink it because you want to look at all the other ones you haven't tried before. Right. So I'm, yeah, I'm
1: visiting... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like it's extra effort to ask myself if I would drink this again because I'd either have to go to Alberta or like order it. And yeah, I'm not going to do either of those things. Like you things. said, I'm not going to do either well, of those things. Yeah,
0: maybe go well, I to I might go to Alberta, yeah.
1: but yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, anyway, those are the beers for our happy hour. Wrapping it up because it is time for closing time.
1: Closing time.
0: You can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Might also find us. Still uh, holding on for dear life to our favorite rogues archetype on MTG Arena under the username Arena Regulars podcast.
0: If you want to talk to me personally about how you liked or did not like the beers I brought, or um, tell you know me beers that you want us to bring. Uh, you can always find me at Zulberg. That is Z E U L B E R G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you?
1: I have Twitter. It's Blues Brews M T G, spelled like it sounds.
0: And uh, as always, we would love to hear any feedback that you have. Either find us there, or you know, just follow us on our our Spotify. You know, uh, iTunes, any podcast listening uh, app that you use. Uh, just go on there and uh, follow us give us a little comment, find us on YouTube, find us in a place. We'd love to hear what you think and love your support. This has been the Arena Regulars reminding you
1: to go drink a brown ale right now. Do it. Good night.
0: (laughs) All right, that's fine.